welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Come on, let's worship the Lord one more time. Give Him one more hand clap. Come on, let's really give Him a hand clap at 11 11 o'clock service. Come on, somebody, let's worship the Lord. Father, we thank You for Your mercy, for Your grace, for Your anointing. I thank You that You're here. Come on, if you're comfortable with it, you may want to lift up a hand to heaven right now. Father, I thank You that You bless these hands, You bless these houses, You bless all of these people, Lord. I thank You that You bless them indeed. And I thank You, Father, that You've changed our ending. You've changed us from cursing to blessing. You've changed us from hell to heaven. You've changed us from sin to righteousness. There's been a great exchange in your son. Now, Father, I thank you that as you've changed us, that you're going to empower us, oh Lord. Empower us, oh Lord. Empower us, oh Lord, to change the world. Lord, I declare all these things in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the church said, amen. We all give all of our campuses a big hand clap and people watching online. Thank you for joining us. We love you. Come on, we're, we're one church, many rooms. And we're going to open and break the bread of life together. I want to entitle this message this morning, Change the Ending. Change the Ending. Come on, everybody say, Change the Ending. How many of y'all want to see some good change? Can I get an amen out? there. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, it says these words. These are the words of the prophet talking about God. He said this, he said, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. How many of you have ever said if I were God, I would just kill them all, right? It's It's kind of, if I were God, I'd just, I'd just kill them all right now. Well, thank God God isn't like us. Can I get an amen out there? He doesn't change. He doesn't get mad and just smite and kill everybody all the time. And, and, and the Bible says that our God remains the same. Goes as far as saying, I'm the Lord, I change not. Now, we live in a changing world. We've seen a lot of change in 2020, even some in 2021. Now, I'll tell you, it hasn't all been good. It's been a lot of bad this last year. We, we've changed as a culture. We've changed as a people. We've changed in our our fabric. People have changed in their political ideologies. People have changed in what they think morality should be. But how many know just because the world changes doesn't mean the word changes and just because PC stuff changes doesn't mean that God changes. Come on, our God is the same. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's one thing I know that will happen in the world. The world will change. Times will change. Culture will change. Ideologies will change. But God God remains the same. Come on. He's the same Jesus you met. If you met him 50 years ago, he's the same Jesus today that he was way back when. You know, we we, we look at all of the things that have happened technologically and all the things that are happening right now. 
And just to show you how much things have changed, uh, here's a fact from 1927. If you took 100 bucks in, in 1927, it costs $1,700 to buy the same amount of goods that it costs in 1927. Uh, if you were to give $10,000 for a house in 1927, today that house would cost you around $170,000. Change is happening rapidly. The way we interact with one another is, is changing. 2020 changed it where we don't even know what to do. I got on an elevator, elevator door opens up, and uh, there are some people on there, you know, and they're looking at me like I'm the carrier of the black plague and the bubonic death, and I don't know whether I can get on the elevator with these people or not anymore. How many of you don't know what to do whenever you walk up to people? Do you shake their hand? Do you not shake their hand? Do you walk in? Do you? Is it three foot? Is it six foot? Is it one mask? Is it two masks? What? I don't know what to do. Anybody else confused out there on what to do when you run into humanity? Now when we see humanity, cultures change so much, do we say Hi. Have y'all noticed people are less friendly than they've ever been before? Can I get an amen? So culture is changing. The world is getting weird. But I'll tell you this, our God still hasn't changed one ounce. Not in his character, not in his will, not in his word, not in his way. Come on. <coughs> Jesus remains the same. Can I get an amen out there? He stays the same. I, excuse me. I think about my, my grandpa. My grandpa's in his 90s and uh, has always been a ton of fun, um, but, but maybe too much fun for his own good at times in life. But, but his life has changed and what he's seen's changed. Think about viewing where we live now through the eyes of someone 90-something years old. He grew up going to town in a wagon. And now I remember, it's probably been 15 years ago, Grandpa and I went to Dallas together. We went to see the South Fork Ranch and to go to Cowtown and Fort Worth and do some stuff like that. And it was when the smartphone was just kind of coming out. And whenever I got my first smartphone, I remember getting that thing in my hand, starting messing with it, and it was more addictive than smoking crack. Y'all yeah. remember that? Yeah. Not smoking crack with the smartphone. Y'all remember that? And I'm like, oh, you had me from hello, baby, when I had that smartphone. And we took off, and Grandpa said to me, hey, son, do you have us rooms in Dallas? I said, give me a minute. And I got on it. It was a PC version smartphone. This predated the iPhone. And I opened up the Windows application on my PC version smartphone, and I booked a hotel room online. And I said, I got the room booked. And he looked over at me like, what is this witchcraft that you have? He could not believe it. He'd seen so much change. Here I'm telling you, the world will change. The technology will change. The way we interact will change. But Jesus isn't going to change. Now I'll tell you, we still need to come together physically as a church as well. That should never change. That's in the scripture. Come on. The church still matters. Can I get an amen out there? Somebody give God a hand clap. Church ought to still be, we ought to still get together. And I, I love you watching online. I'm for you watching online. But my hope is that this is a hook to get you to come to church in person. Right? We need to be together with other believers. I'm the Lord, I change not. The New Testament says it like this. If you look over in the book of uh, Hebrews, it says this. It says that Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was a healer yesterday, he's a healer today. 
He'll be a healer together forever. If he was a savior yesterday, he's a savior today. He'll be a savior forever. If he was a forgiver yesterday, he'll be a forgiver today. He'll be a forgiver forever. If he would prosper you yesterday, he will prosper you today, and he will prosper you forever. He is the same. Come on. We serve a God that does not change. Now, the world changes, but he doesn't change. But I'll tell you what he's an expert at doing. He's an expert at changing us. Has anybody out there had God do some real change in your life, made a real change in your heart? Come on, a real change in the way you live. He does that. I want you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of St. Luke. Gospel of St. Luke. We're going to go to chapter 15. Now I'll take you to a chapter in the Bible where it shows us that Jesus is absolutely insane about finding lost things. He loves to find lost things. As a matter of fact, he, he talks about lost sheep, talks about lost coins, he talks about lost sons. And in 2020, we lost a lot. We lost a lot of our liberties and freedoms in America. We lost a lot of our, I saw that our grit was gone in America, that we used to be rugged individualists, now we kind of are just compliant. You, you watch in America in 2020, the baristas seem to have more rights than anybody else in America now, right? They rule with a rod of fists. No mask, no latte for you. Amen. And um, I watched the church lay down a lot in America. They saw they could shut us down. And we barely push back. And so if you think they're not going to keep coming after religious rights, you're wrong in America. Some of that has been lost now. We look like a soft target. And here's what they want in America. They want to make sin public. And they want to make religion private. They want to make sin public. They want to make religion private. Why? Why? Why would they have Cardi B on the Grammys doing what she does? But Dr. Zeus has to be canceled. Are you kidding? me, can I get an amen out there? It's crazy. It's insanity. That's the cultural attack. It's meant to shut down the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we've lost in so many ways. But I'll tell you what it does. What it does whenever things are lost, Jesus is a specialist at finding lost stuff. And the church is the best equipped entity in the universe to seek and to save that which was lost. You are an expert at finding lost stuff, whether you know it or not. You're like an expert diver. Those guys that go in looking for lost stuff. You're like a rescue diver. That's what the church is designed to do. When the water gets dark, come on, we put in our gear, we get in the deep, and we find that which is lost because that's what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. Here's a story about a lost guy. And it's in Luke chapter 15. And I'll read you the first part, and then we'll, then we'll move on. <clears throat> uh, so, so here's what it says, Luke 15, verse 11. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach and with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said... 
how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for his graciousness that he takes us back no matter what he does. So there's, there's a son that doesn't want to wait for his dad to die to get his inheritance. It's like, Dad, I've been watching you, waiting for you to stroke out or have a heart attack or something so I can get my hands on your money. So I want to have a big time, but you just keep living. So he goes in, and I don't even know how you have this conversation. You're like, hey, I want it all, and I want it now. I want the money, and I'm going to have a big time. Why should I wait till I'm old and you're dead? Give me your part of the inheritance, and, and, and I'll be out of here. And so the father gives him what he wants. You know, a lot of times people get themselves in a mess, and then they want to blame God. God, why did you let this have, happen to me? Well, what about the thousand terrible uh, decisions you made to get yourself in that position? Right? You want it bad enough. Sometimes the father will allow you to have your way. The father gives him his inheritance. And he takes off. He goes to Vegas. I don't know. He goes to Fat Tuesday. heads down to New Orleans. Goes to Bangkok, red light district. Goes over to Amsterdam. Goes and he blows the money. Has a big party. Right? He's gambling. He's throwing the biggest parties. He's coked up. He's drinking. He's, he's, he, he's surrounded with everybody. He's dressed to the nines. And he's having a big time till the money's all gone. And then after the money's all gone, here's what happens. A severe famine hits the land. Isn't that just like sin? Sin entices you with a great big time. Come on, we're going to have some fun. How many of y'all been there before? It looked like a whole lot of fun when you got started. But it was a whole lot of bondage at the end. Can I get an amen out there? Looked like a whole lot of fun whenever I started back in the 90s. But it was a whole lot of bondage at the end. And this guy blows it all. He wakes up one day and there's not even anything to eat. There's a famine there. The money's gone. His friends are gone. Party's over. Lights are out. Can't pay the bills. He's busted and disgusted. And he goes and he gets a job for a guy that, that is a pig guy. Now, one of the most unclean things, this is a Jewish boy, for him to do would be to work with pigs. You can't be clean and work with pigs according to the Torah. And so he's starving to death. The Bible says he's looking at the pig's food and he's so hungry that he wishes, it doesn't say that he gets to, but he wished that he could fill his belly with what the slop that the pigs were eating. Come on, that's pretty low whenever you want to eat pig slop. That's where the kid is. And all of a sudden he wakes up. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I remember a revelation comes to him. I have a father that loved me. He may not be able to love me the way he used to love me because I've done so much now. 
He may not treat me like a son anymore because I've went so far. But maybe if I go back, just maybe if I go back and I humble myself, maybe he'll let me work as one of the hired servants and I won't have to starve to death. So he starts the walk of shame, the long walk home. And now here's the kicker about this story. This is a story that this wasn't Jesus's story. This story had been told many times before. The Pharisees told this story. It was, it was part of their culture. It was almost like the boy that cries wolf, right? We all know the ending. We know where it's going. And here's the story that the Pharisees would tell. As the boy was walking home, the father would walk to the front door of, of his courtyard. It's called an insula. They would build around a courtyard. The father walks to the front doors of his courtyard or his house, sees the boy coming home, and he slams the door, and he says, you've broken the Torah, you are no son of mine. So everybody's listening to Jesus tell this story. And they get to the part, they all know where it's going. Here's where the father slams the door. But instead of the father slamming the door in Jesus' story, the father runs out of his house, weeping, grabs his son, cries, and receives him because he was lost, and now he's found. Come on, that's the kind of loving Jesus that we serve. That's the kind of God of all grace that we serve. He's the God of the first, second, and the third chance. Aren't you glad that he took us back? Can I get an amen, church? Takes him back. And he changed the ending. See, here's what our God is the best at. He's the best at changing the ending. How does he change our endings? Number one, he, he changes our ending by changing our hearts. Man, I'm so glad God changed my heart. Came into my heart, and the Bible says he'll take a heart of stone out of you, and he'll replace it with a heart of flesh. I've watched it. I've watched people that are hard come into contact with Christ. Then all of a sudden, their heart of stone gets turned to a heart of flesh. Next thing you know, they're crying. Whenever Andy goes to college in Toy Story, and they're weeping like a baby, right? What happened to them? God took out a heart of stone, replaced it with a heart of flesh. How many of y'all can tell that your heart's been changed since you ran into Jesus? You're not like you used to be. You got to be careful because what the world wants to do is the world wants to make our heart hard again. It'll come at you to harden your heart and you'll get hit in life. I promise you, you'll get hit in life. You got to guard your heart. The Bible says with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. I was on the elevator at ORU. My, my niece was graduating out there, and uh, this kid gets on the elevator with me. He was a theology major, and he sees me. He says, Pastor Gibson, I, I know who you are. He says, I've seen you on Fox News, and uh, I, I want to ask you. I, I know you're an ORU grad. I, I want to ask you, uh, what's a piece of advice you could give me? Now, I looked up at him, and I said, without, without pause. There were wrestling coaches on the elevator, too, because they were having a wrestling tournament. I said, here's what you do, son. You harden your forehead, but soften your heart. Harden your forehead, but soften your heart. Why do you have to keep a hard forehead? Because life's going to punch you. How many of y'all have lived more than 10 years? Y'all know that's true. Can I get an amen out there? And if you let the punches that hit you in the head go to your heart, it'll destroy you as a Christian. So there's got to be a way that you get a hard head. You harden your forehead. 
But come on, our Jesus wants us to keep our hearts soft enough that we can win somebody else to him. I want to keep a soft heart. I don't want to get a hard heart again. Come on, I want to have a heart. I want to have a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And in certain environments, it, it, it's difficult. But I'll tell you, if you'll let him soften your heart, he'll change your ending. He changes our ending by changing our hearts. Here's, here's one thing this boy goes through. Whenever you would leave a Jewish community, you left your father like he did, went to have a party, the, the, the whole community would turn against you. They lived in small communities. So you hadn't just disgraced your father, you disgraced your community. You hadn't just disgraced the community, you disgraced the Torah. You disgraced the nation of Israel, you disgraced your religion. And they had a ceremony where they literally would kick you out when you did this, of the entire community. They would come out together, all of the heads of the families of the communities, they would bring a massive clay pot. They would stand in front of you and they would break that pot on the ground. They'd say, now our relationship between us and you is as crushed as this pot. As you've crushed the commands of the Torah and if you have broken the reputation of your father, we now break every bond with you. What the father did in this story is he went against their tradition and he received his son back regardless of what he did and that's how you get your heart soft whenever you show a love that doesn't even make sense. Come on, we got a Jesus that loves us even when it doesn't make sense. And he'll restore, change our ending by changing our heart. Second thing, he changes our ending by the giving of gifts. You find out in this story, whenever the son comes home, he puts sandals on his feet. All right, servants didn't wear shoes back then. Only sons got sandals. He comes out and he brings the good boots, right? He brings the nice stuff, brings them out. I don't know what they were made out of, but I bet they were nice if they came from the father. And he puts them on his son. He gives him the, 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 those shoes. He says, you're not going to be my servant. It's a symbol. You're going to be my son. We're going to put sandals on your feet. I'll tell you what, church, we're servants of God, but we're more than servants of God. We are sons and daughters of God most high. We are children of a king. We live in Palestine. Come on, somebody. Our God is the king of the universe. If he's got sandals for this guy, he's got something for you. Can I get an amen? amen. Then he kills the fatted calf. Notice I'm in the beef industry. He didn't kill the fatted chicken. He killed the fatted calf. I'll just, side note, I want you to see that. And he put a robe on his back. Wasn't just any kind of robe. It was a robe that, that was symbolic in the Greek. That you were somebody of authority and a position of honor. Put an honored garment back on the kid. See, he changes our ending by the gifts he gives us. Tell you what, in Jesus, there are great gifts you have. Come on, you've got salvation now in him. You have redemption now in him. You have righteousness now in him. You have the spirit of God now in him. You got the armor of God now in him. You got the fruit of the spirit now in him. You got the gifts of the spirit now in him. You've got a covenant now in him. He's given you great gifts. Don't forget about them. Operate in them. Remember, you're a blessed person. You're a child of God most high. He's a, giver, he's a giver of gifts. He gives incredible gifts like that. The third thing I see that, that he changes our ending, he changes our ending by the authority that he gives to us. The father puts a ring on his finger. And that ring just wasn't because he wanted the son to have some bling on. No, that, that ring was a stamp of authority. It was a seal. I'm wearing a ring right now my dad gave me before he passed away. 
and it's got a G on it. It's got my, my last name, Gibson. It's got it on it. And uh, they would have a signet back in those days where if you went in to buy or to sell, right, you made a contract. You were saying, my, my father, our estate will pay for this. Then you would take your ring and you would stamp it in wax. And it was almost like a notary that, boom, we've made a deal. Here's, I have authority. I've been sent from the father. And everything that's his is mine. I want you to know this, church. You are a people of authority. He changes your ending by changing your authority. Stop walking around in this world like you're without authority, like you're without a voice, like you're without a father. Come on, everything that the father has is now yours. You're a covenant person. You're a son and daughter of God most high. That should change the way you see yourself. Don't walk into a room thinking you're less than anymore. Not talking about an arrogance. I'm just talking about whenever you show up in a room, you show up as an ambassador of heaven. Come on, somebody. Whenever I show up, I show up as an ambassador of heaven. And so I don't have to be all, all beat down or have a false humility. I come in as, as the child of a king. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm talking about true biblical meekness. People try to push Christians, oh, you got to be quiet, you got to be meek, you got to be nice. They don't know what meek means. The Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. What does meekness mean? Meekness, to be meek means to be power under control. Power under control. Let me say it one more time. Power under control. I say things now. And people say, that's not very nice for a pastor. And I say, I don't want to be nice. Nice isn't a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? Jesus wasn't always nice. He turned over tables. He braided a whip and he chased guys with it. Does that sound nice? No, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. What is it? It's a moral uprightness. Now we've created this new form of Jesus. We've fashioned it in America where Jesus is this nice, sexless, just uh, moralist, just blob out there in the universe that wants whatever culture wants. But that's not him. He's the same God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament. He is the Lord that does not change. He's a God of authority. He'll return as a righteous judge. Did you know that? So the nice play is a play to make the American church sit down and shut up. Be nice, you can't say that. Be nice, you can't believe that. Be nice, we'll cancel you like Pepe Le Pew. He's a kind of a creepy cat. I get it, right? But it's the nice play. I was on the news the other day and they were asking me some questions about morality. They were asking me what I thought about transgender males playing in female sports. And I told them I thought it was insanity. It's very simple, right? Do the math. My body has had testosterone in it for all these years. My wife's hasn't. My bone density's thicker. We trade blows in the forehead. It's going to be bad for her. Can I get an amen? Simple science. Then they asked me what I thought about the Catholic Church saying that they couldn't, they could not bless same-sex unions. I said it's about time they made that clear. Because the Pope has made some muddy statements and it's been confusing. And of course they can't bless that. The scripture is very clear that homosexuality is a sin. I said also heterosexuality, heterosexual sex outside of marriage is also a sin. 
So if you're a Christian leader and you serve the God of the Bible, you have to, it's a received faith. You can't make it up as it goes. I said, of course, the Catholic Church can't bless that. And they were shocked that I said it as straight as I could, as I said it. And the guy that was interviewing me at the end, he's kind of like, well, uh, thank God, uh, thank God God's still a forgiving God. And then he cuts. And what I want to say is he's, he's a forgiving God if you repent. He doesn't just forget, if you repent, can I get an amen? They want me to get on there in a pot. I don't know what they thought they were going to get out of me. But this is what I am. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say what the Word says. Because I only have authority because the Father put a ring on my finger. I come in His authority. And if I don't do or say what He sends me to say, you know what He can do? He can take that ring off. I want to die with my authority given to me by God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. His church is going to be a church under the authority of God. We're not under the authority of the United States. We're not under the authority of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. We're under the authority of the Most High God. We'll say what he says. That way you can walk in, you can stamp with authority. The last thing I'll say is he he changes. He changes our ending by the giving of gifts. He changes our our ending by the giving of authority. He changes our ending by the changing of hearts. He changes our ending by the change of our bend. Everybody's got a bend towards, you don't have to keep it. Don't mishear me. But everybody's got a bend towards a certain sin, certain hang up, right? We're different. We're all, we're all, We're all born into sin. We're all born messed up and we need redemption. Can I get an amen out there? Every person. It's just different bends towards different things. Somebody it's lust. Somebody it's perversion. Somebody it's greed. Somebody it's jealousy. Somebody it's it's covetousness. Somebody it's anger. Somebody it's unforgiveness. The bends are all different. The word iniquity in the Bible talks about your bend. And the word picture is like, if you go to the the east or anywhere there's palm trees, where the wind blows in, the palm trees will start to bend the way the wind's blowing. They grow a certain way. So everybody's crooked, born crooked in some shape, form, or fashion. But the Bible says this in Isaiah 53, 5. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him at the cross. And by his stripes, we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Transgressions are the sins you commit. Iniquities is your bend towards sin. The Bible says he was literally beaten and died on the cross to take away your bend. He came to mend the bend. How does he change your ending? He changes it by changing the bends you have in life. You might have been born with a certain bend, but I'm telling you, the cross is more powerful than any bend towards sin. The cross is more powerful than any addiction. The cross is more powerful than any depression. Come on, the cross is more powerful than any perversion. God can take away your bend towards sin. He changes the ending. I preach this all over the world, literally. There's a novel by Charles Dickens called Great Expectations. One of the classics. Kids will have to read it in high school. If not college lit, they'll read it there. Great Expectations. And he penned it and he wrote it. 
And he took it to a friend's house one night in London, England. And the friend opens up great expectations and he gets enthralled by the story that Dickens has written. And he turns page after page. He's there. He can see the characters. He can hear what they hear, see what they see. You can see why it's a classic. And he reads it all in one setting. Reads it throughout, throughout the entire night. Reads it, reads it till he gets to the end. When it comes to the end of what Dickens has written in Great Expectations, the ending was so sad, it was so morose, it was so heartbreaking, he wept as he read the ending, and he couldn't believe it ended like that. He's like, it can't end this poorly, can't end this sad. These characters can't go out like this. And so legend has it that Dickens' friend picked up the manuscript of Great Expectation, marched it across London in the rain, knocked on Dickens' door, Dickens threw the door open, he walked past him, went to the table, slammed down the manuscript and said, change it, change the ending. You know what I believe the cross demands of humanity? I believe the cross is, is just like that guy walked across England, London, England. I believe that Jesus walked across the corridors of time to slam down the book of life, point at your life and say, now change the ending. He did everything he can do with Calvary's cross and now he wants us to agree with it so the ending of our life might not be cursed. Come on, somebody. But that it might be blessed. Might not be hell, but that it might be heaven. Might not be broke, but it might be fixed. Come on. Change the ending. The cross changes the ending of everything. See yourself through that lens. Man, your ending's been changed. God's already paid for you. Would you stand up on your feet with me right now? Come on. How many of y'all have already received Jesus? Lift a hand to heaven if you've received Jesus. Your ending's been changed. Let's give him a hand clap. Our ending's been changed. Come on, somebody ought to praise God. Our ending's been changed. Now, I want to pray for all of us. There are other things we need change in our lives. But we've got an opportunity in a couple of weeks. You should have gotten a card when you came in here, an Easter card, or maybe there's one around in your seat. I want you to grab it very quickly, the Easter card you have. Uh, if you don't have one, you know, steal one from your neighbor or, or act like you have one. How about that, you know? Uh, you can do it like that. So, so grab a hold of a card. How many of Jesus has changed our ending? We ought to try to change somebody else's. Can I get an amen out there? Let me say that. If Jesus has changed our ending, we ought to try to change somebody else's. Let me say it one more time. If Jesus has changed our ending, we ought to try to change somebody else's. Amen? So Easter is one of the times that you can get people to come to church. In our culture, people still feel like they're supposed to go to church on Easter. The cards are stacked in our favor right now, church. One of the best things you can do is invite somebody to church and get them to come out on Easter Sunday. People feel like they need to come. Now, if you know anybody on the school board, put pressure on them not to schedule spring break on Easter ever again. Can I get an amen out there? I've done it before and it worked for a lot of years. So anybody you know on the school board, put pressure on them not to do this again, all right? But we're still going to fill the house on Easter. Can I get an amen out there, all right? All right, so what I want you to do is, is I want us to pray. We're going to find one person, one family to invite to church on Easter Sunday. We're going to believe that God's going to pull them in, open their eyes. They're going to be open to the gospel, and we're going to see them born again. We're going to see changed lives, seeds sown in their life. Just like he changed our life, we're going to change somebody else's life. So I want you to grab that card in your hand. I want to pray for you. Now I'm going to pray over this card. Father, right now we pray over these cards. I pray over these people. I think that we do the work of an evangelist right now, Father. I think of this 
this Easter, you use us to bring someone else to Jesus. Bring someone to the, to the Father. Bring somebody home. I pray supernaturally right now, Father, that you'd anoint us to do the work of a soul winner. He who wins souls is wise. You're going to use this church supernaturally, Lord, to win somebody and to see lives changed by the power of the living God. Now, thank you, Father, for your help from heaven. Your help from heaven. We declare that this is a soul winning station and these churches are growing now in Jesus' mighty name. Let revival come. Now, I bless these people and I pray their ending that needs to be changed will be changed supernaturally. To the glory of God, we thank you for it. We believe it's done. And the church said, amen, amen, amen.